This is Advent Sunday. It's the beginning of the church's year. Advent means coming or arrival. It's a season of preparation for the arrival of Christ on the great festival of Christmas Day. As Lent is before Easter, so Advent is before Christmas. Like Lent, altar frontals, vestments and decoration around the communion vessels are coloured violet. The earliest reference to the season of Advent that we have today is from Gregory, a bishop and historian of Tour France, uh, which was known as Galwen, in the 6th century. It originally took place over six Sundays, but it was reduced to four Sundays when the Roman rite gradually overtook local tradition. It begins on the nearest Sunday to St Andrew's Day, which is always the 30th of November. This year, that is next Tuesday. So, Advent is about preparation for the coming or arrival of Christ. You'll find over Advent period, there's a lot of reference into Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, many of which are in Handel's Messiah, that great work, uh, and particularly from Isaiah, or what we call Deutero-Isaiah, the middle section when they were in exile. And there's also a lot of references to John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ. However, today, the first Sunday in Advent focuses on the second coming of Christ. And I have to say that while I have tremendous respect for the early church fathers in many matters, I do find it difficult that they chose to start the church's year with apocalyptic images of portents in nature, as in our gospel today, signs of the sun and the moon and the stars, the roaring of the seas and the waves, and fear and distress among the nations, people fainting and a sense of foreboding among people as Christ returns to judge and end life as we know it. This is pretty heavy stuff on our first day of the year. So what is going on here? Well, the first century Christians believed that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. It's quite important to understand this because it makes more sense of a lot of the New Testament when you read it. They believe what biblical scholars and theologians call the parousia was imminent. By parousia, I'm referring to a belief that the return of Christ uh, in some glorious way, that he would return in some glorious way to judge the living and the dead and terminate the present world order and it's in our gospel today that the evangelists have Jesus saying, Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. They expected it immediately. Now, many of us tend to have some problems with that view today. But the early church really believed in it, quite literally, and that it was going to happen very soon. Furthermore, they were very confident about their sense of redemption as Christians because they were a small group of people and different from many others. And so our gospel passage says, Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, 
because your redemption is drawing near. Now I think the church fathers thought they were starting the year on a very positive note about the great hope of eternal life with Christ in a world where a lot of other things were pretty unpredictable for them. However, numbers of preachers down the ages have used the second coming to emphasise judgement and to put fear into people. On the extreme edge, there have been people who have claimed to know the day of the second coming and have gone up mountains with followers and waited for it. The rise of science and the Enlightenment have deconstructed many of those fears, and modern satirists have turned them into comedy. I'm sure you've seen some of the takeoffs. One of our staff at the Family Centre, for example, had a sign on her door which reads, Jesus is coming, look busy. <laughs> and of course, to illustrate the level of satire, some of you will remember Peter Cook's satirical end-of-the-world sketch in the very famous Beyond the Fringe comedy. How will it be, this end of what you've spoken of, Brother Emon? Chorus says, aye, how will it be? Well, it will be as it were a mighty rending in the sky, you see. And the mountains will sink, you see. And the valleys will rise, you see. And great will be the tumult thereof. Then there's a gap. And will there be a mighty wind, Brother Emon? Certainly there will be a mighty wind if the word of God is anything to go by. And will this wind be so mighty as to low lay the mountains of the earth? No, it will not be quite as mighty as that. That is why we've come up on the mountain, you stupid nit, to be safe. <laughs> Further gap, I'm just skipping. And shall we be consumed? Consumed? No. We shall not be consumed. We shall be up on the mountain, you see, while millions burn, having a bit of a giggle. And when will this be, this end you have spoken? Sorry, this end of which you have spoken? The chorus. Aye, when will it be? In about 30 seconds time, as far as I can see, according to very ancient scrolls, and my odometer watch. <laughs> Chorus, shall we compose ourselves? Brother Emon, 15 seconds, 10 seconds, 5 seconds, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. The chorus sings, now is the end, perish the world. Silence. It was GMT, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, says someone. Well, it's not quite the conflagration I had been banking on. Never mind, lads. Same time tomorrow. We must get a winner one day. He whistles and goes off stage. So the end of the world preaching has become a little out of touch and basically lost credibility in a modern world. I don't think it's particularly helpful to focus on the portents 
or even the judgment. Our gospel went on to talk about the fig tree. Jesus said, As soon as the leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is coming. So also when you see these things taking place, you know the kingdom of God is near. Now in Aramaic thought, there were always two ways of understanding metaphors. He may well have been speaking of some event in the future, but he was also certainly talking about seeing signs of the time, breaking out of complacency and responding to God now. He taught us the Lord's Prayer, which says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. God comes on earth as well as heaven, and he comes all the time. His kingdom comes when we work together with him, or the Holy One. That happens when we, in this church, serve the community. God comes. The kingdom comes when we truly love people and make the world a better place for others. It's part of the fulfilment of the Lord's Prayer. It happens when we go beyond the material to pray and meditate in the presence of God. It happens when we let the Holy One comfort us and turn our despair into hope. The kingdom comes when we say thank you and offer praise to God. So Advent is about the coming and arrival of God today and tomorrow and the next day. And our psalm today put it beautifully, and I'm just going to take three verses. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Saviour. And my hope is in you all day long. Let's take Advent seriously and allow the Holy One over the next month to come to us and to be with us. Let God be in our souls and in our thinking. Let God be in our actions and our loving. This is the way the Church teaches us to prepare for the great festival of Christmas. It is so much more important than all the material things usually put upon us in December.